0: There's this invisible or microscopic thing that uh, is
1: such a threat. Fear all the time that the way we go down is a bug.
0: Spoiler alert. You have another 24-hour bug going over there or something. Enemy that seems like it cannot be defeated and like humanity is just done for. That's
2: exactly what is going on right now. We're
0: just sort of making some small talk. I think of like War of the Worlds,
1: uh, like how it ends. Is a virus.
0: 27 year bug scary outbreak story it's happening to everyone I don't fa- think it's fair to make it about us
1: one of my favorite topics
2: I think I'm just mad that no one has made the entire world watch outbreak horror it's invisible pretty much I feel like I was looking into like a better future than the one we're facing now and that wasn't even a good one
0: this is legit this is how we go down for no particular reason there's really nothing and I find that super freaky a cold the common
2: cold I hate everything I'm having such a Bad day. <laughs> <Sweet, sweet.
0: laughs> Cancelled.
3: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. Now on Patreon, access exclusive weekly patron only content banned in 52 countries. Get in there before they shut us down at patreon.com forward slash speak all evil. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi. Great, how are you? Doing well. Good. Uh, This week, we're talking Outbreak. Dave, you you brought us a movie ripped from today's headlines this week.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, Steven Soderbergh uh, is pretty well known, uh, but his movie Contagion from 2011 is what I picked. And at first, it, it has such a huge... Dramatic element to it that it's kind of hard to like say that it's a horror movie And it's hard to say that it's evil because one of the scary things about uh, An outbreak or a contagion is that it doesn't have any ill will toward you It doesn't have any reason it doesn't have any it's just malevolent for No good reason (laughs) other than its survival For COVID Um, reasons you say? (laughs) Yeah For COVID reasons um, but Contagion it, uh, was made in 2011, and it was kind of like a, a, a time machine to what, what's happening now. It was—it was like he imagined what things might happen, and he did it very thoroughly. Because if you—if you watch it, it's like it's good, and until it's not, it, it's too real. <laughs>
3: Uh, I hadn't seen this one before, but Steven Soderbergh is a filmmaker that every time I look at his filmography, I'm blown away all over again. He's made a crazy amount of movies and a pretty wide uh, breadth of genre and style. Um, I hadn't seen this one before, and yeah, it was kind of spooky. They're talking about social distancing, and they're talking about the R number, whenever the, the number of people that an infection of an infected person right. infects and all the behind the scenes stuff it's mostly like behind the scenes of a pandemic this movie kind of takes you like there isn't as much of the general populace it's all kind of experts and scientists and health workers and people that are behind the scenes trying to get a handle on this thing from it takes you from day 1 i think they even call it day 1 like the the first the spread
0: it reminds me of a Rue Goldberg machine. Yeah. You know, the things where you drop the the ball and then it hits the other thing and it's like the chain reaction of what happens.
3: Yeah, it's it's filmed in like um, what's called a hyperlink style, which uh, Soderbergh is known for doing in other movies where there's all these intersection, intersecting storylines going back and forth and all, all linked together. This is a star-studded extravaganza. You got Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, Larry Fishburne, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Brian Cranston, Marianne Curitard. It's a very interesting movie. It's a little bit more detached than I expected, I think, but I was fully engrossed in this. Kevin, had you seen this before?
1: I had. I had seen this, but it had been... I, I probably watched it right when it came out. I love Soderbergh's work. I mean, Aaron Brockovich to Ocean's Eleven. I mean, this guy's got a pretty wide... Array of flicks out there. I would say that this is definitely a horror film, Dave. It is definitely evil. When you're peeling people's skulls back a la Reanimator, when you're showing how quickly society can turn into this dystopian disaster, I think this firmly falls into a horror, thriller, evil type thing. I think that Soderbergh really, like, you just named off so many brilliant cast members. Soderbergh not only directed this, he did his own cinematography on it, which is pretty cool. And this multi-narrative approach that we're talking about, he won the Academy Award for essentially presenting this type of filmmaking for Traffic. And I think because Traffic was kind of recent to when Contagion came out, this got totally ignored for any awards. And Watching it again, not just because we're in the middle of a pandemic and they nailed exactly what was happening. Lawrence Fishburne is saying the word social distancing nine years before any of us would have it be a word that we say 50 times a day. I'm just shocked at how this movie in 2011 or 12, whenever the Academy Awards were, whenever any of the award shows, I watched this and thought, this is better than traffic.
2: The one piece of like cinematic tomfoolery that I guess that they did in this movie that really got to me and made me very hyper vigilant in Hannaford yesterday was after an infected person would touch a surface, the camera would like linger on that surface for like three seconds and then move on. And every single time it happened, I was just like, oh my God, like it's so stressful. I'm very stressed out. Now more than ever, I was watching this movie and my roommate walked in and was like, why are you watching this movie right now? And I was like, they made me do it.
1: Well, this movie, one crazy thing, if you want to know how much they nailed this, when the pandemic first hit the U.S. in March, this movie, which at the time was nine years old, it shot up to number seven on iTunes, piracy website views reported a 5,600% site view increase and hbo said at the time and this is in march it probably has increased since then but at one point on hbo which you can watch this on whatever fucking hbo platform you have right now it was uh the most watched movie for two consecutive weeks on hbo so a lot of people wanted to be more stressed out cat or in the case of a pandemic a lot of people wanted to be educated because soderbergh did his fucking homework and nailed this thing it's scientists have praised it uh, I was super psyched at uh, one point when you saw Dr. Sanjay Gupta.
3: What are you, what are you some kind of Sanjay Gupta fan? Wait, you, <laughs> you, is it maybe the fucking movies? brain surgeon? <laughs> I'm going to believe him before you. <laughs> I liked his earlier stuff better. This didn't scare me that much because it's so clinical and detached that it doesn't, there's really not much, doesn't really get too emo with things, even when. Main characters are are dying and sick. Like it Mm -hmm. kind of maintains this sort of outside, this sort of cold analytical view of things that I didn't, it didn't wind me up, but I wasn't quite as on the edge of my seat as I. I mean, I, I, I was certainly engrossed and I was into it. I thought it was really interesting, but it didn't hit me very viscerally. And also, I had already watched Wreck, the 2007 outbreak movie that we're going to talk about. And I had watched Quarantine, the remake of that. So, before this. So all the way through contagion, I kept like waiting for somebody to get their brains beat out. And, like every, every time somebody would like stand up or make a movement, I would think like, Oh, the fire extinguisher to the heads come in or like, Oh, he's going to bite him in the neck or something like that. And then I'd have to be, Oh no, he's just standing up. He's not going to. I
1: think that makes it even more scary off. though. Uh, to me, maybe that's what made, you know, outbreak so scary to me is I think that clinical approach, you know the the one emotional character that they try to present in this movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I missed missed some other arcs, but Matt Damon is sort of presented as like the everyman here. So a lot of it, like you said, China's behind the scenes. It's a lot of clinical people, very important, you know, world health officials, and Matt Damon is just sort of the everyman. And what terrified me is how just even he was throughout the movie, you know, after having half of his family die and he basically spends the rest of the movie also going through things very clinically okay i need to do this i need to i need to bury this person i need to uh go get a gun from my neighbor's house i need to keep my daughter inside so something about that like halfway through the movie i was like man is matt damon gonna have a breakdown and then i disagree it does get super emo at the end when he finally does. And I found myself getting choked up during the prom scene. You cried at the
3: prom scene. I knew, see, I knew where this is going. You're talking
1: about- this, this, this may be a parental slash or versus non-parental moment, but.
3: It was cute. They had a little prom and everything. You, you saw that during the early months of the shutdown from the, from the COVID. You, you saw like the, the home proms and stuff, you know?
0: The face peel off and brain uh, exposure of Gwyneth Paltrow was an amazing moment for me. I want to start a a website that is like the celebrity nude websites, but it's celebrity deaths in movies. So you could go in and you like type in the search Gwyneth Paltrow, and you can see her every time she's died in a movie, and you can see the death. Scene Are you right not there. a Gwyneth Paltrow fan? No, I just like to see people
3: die. <laughs> I just thought it was a nice little bonus because it's like kind of a drama. You know, it's kind of a, a studio drama. And then you're like, oh, man, you do get some face peeling. Here we go. Yeah, I thought that
0: was maybe your fire extinguisher moment. I mean, I, I didn't have yeah, to it do was. that. I thought that was a little yeah. gratuitous and it was early and it was like to a like a million dollar, if not much more than that, actress. Uh, like, We're just going to have you act for 10 minutes and then we're going to peel your face off and open your head.
1: Well, that's what's crazy is is we talked about the star-studded cast. I think Gwyneth Paltrow shot all of her stuff in three days and basically did it for free because she loves working with Steven Soderbergh and wanted to be a part of the movie. Kate Winslet shot all of her stuff in just 10 days. And I mean, you're talking about two of the biggest actresses in the world. And a lot of the actors allegedly took very, very low pay. I want to talk about my two favorite actors from the movie, though. Jude Law who plays this nutjob conspiracy theorist who is also in bed with, you know, some fucking Forsythia company because in Contagion, Forsythia is our hydrochloroquine. And then Jennifer Ehl, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, is E-H-L-E as Dr. Ali Hextall, who is the one that comes up with the vaccine and just goes all gangsta and uses it on herself. Those two, I think, gave the best performances in this entire movie. Uh, amongst people like Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, uh, Larry Fishburne, uh, all these people, and and Bryan Cranston, who's like a footnote in this flick, uh, I I thought I thought Jude Law and Jennifer Ely, El sorry Jennifer, were phenomenal.
0: You think that, like somewhere in the world someone's going uh, like uh, and my favorite podcaster is. Kevin k- k- Kanai. Kin- ke- ke- k- Kovan Kanai. I
1: I don't think is, that.
0: I really look up to his work. I am a huge fan of.
1: I don't think that, but that that is the goal. That's that's what that that's what I'm working.
0: Through. I hope someone in, in some other country is listening to our Serbian film <laughs> review and mispronouncing our names to someone. Yeah. That, would be, I love that would be
1: beautiful. Uh, David A <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I I absolutely love the ending of the movie. Uh like I was saying, the the Rue Goldberg like puzzle that leads back to the beginning through a series of clues. And it gives you like, you know, a kind of bigger concept of the contact tracing and all that and how far it goes and how insignificant the relationship can be uh to the person who you got it from and
3: uh, i liked the glimpses um there were glimpses into the unraveling of general society There wasn't a lot but they show you a little bit of crowds like panicking freaking out they show you roadblocks and quarantine states and uh the food rationing from trucks people fighting over supplies and looting and stuff like that. And then the unrest makes its way all the way to Matt Damon's comfortable upscale suburb. And he starts seeing stuff like right right outside his window, seeing violence across the street. And he goes to the neighbor's house and, and finds their gun. Very Time of the Wolf mm-hmm. vibes, which we talked about back on the uh, dystopian episode. I thought that was interesting and could have used a little more of that personally. But I don't that wasn't the point of the movie. So you got a little taste.
0: Of all the things that were predicted in this movie that were exactly spot on, one area where I feel it fell short a little bit was the toilet paper scare of 2020. <laughs> Is it did not predict the toilet paper. Um, and I felt like if it had that, it would have been, you know, all the way 10 stars for me.
1: Yeah, it would have been written by Nostradamus at that point. Because like Trent said, like the prom thing was like so spot on. Like we're watching like John Krasinski do this like virtual prom for everybody during our pandemic. And then this movie ends with it. I mean, it nailed everything except for the TP and except for the fact that we still don't have a fucking vaccine and they figured one out way faster.
3: Well, that was what stood out to me um, was this is being essentially 10 years old now it's just kind of assumed during this movie that there's a competent federal response, that agencies are coordinating at federal and state level, that there is like a reasonably competent president in the White House. You know, you just, it kind of doesn't even, you just assume that those things are reasonably stable and what you would expect uh, some base level of competence to be going on outside of all this. So that was another thing that um, a little bit, uh, probably didn't really see a vision of the future with our, <laughs> our the great leader that we have handling the situation now.
1: Somebody should have like edited a version of this movie with a scene like praising Donald Trump and then shown Donald Trump this movie. And then maybe he would have gotten off his ass and done some of the stuff they do here. But I did like, there's two things that they do show that are legit. One... How little the WHO really can affect how countries work together, because there are some great inter-country jealousy and suspicions that happen in this movie that I think is absolutely happening around the world right now. And to talk about the the state and government, I think it's Lawrence Fishburne that has a, a really powerful, and it might not even be that long of a dialogue where he talks about how hard it is to compile data from fifty states. So everyone out there that's like less government, states' rights, you know, during times like this, that's when it's complicated. You know, how as a government can you react to something that obviously is going to happen this quickly and get 50 different systems to all talk to one another? I mean, we still haven't figured out in the United States.
2: Who's dad? Is Jude Law Daddy of the Week?
0: With those teeth, those prosthetic teeth, he definitely is Oh my is Daddy God, the, the teeth. <laughs> I love the teeth. I heard that Jude Law had to get prosthetic those prosthetically put on for the movie and that they weren't real because i had to google if his teeth were real or not
3: i was hoping he would get sick and die a horrible death of the virus because he's like the alex jones character
1: yeah big time good call. Yeah. and i
3: hope i hope that alex jones gets sick and dies Wow, so I, I was kind of rooting i was rooting for that in the movie no i would i would be happy in real life so i was kind of rooting for that in the movie but it didn't happen
0: i was kind of hoping those were his actual teeth and that when he got off set he put on his fake prosthetic like handsome teeth
1: fun fact that i i dug up on the internet cuz i was interested about this lottery that they were doing when they finally had the vaccine rollout thought yeah. that was a very interesting way of doing so and and after seeing how quickly society just folds into dystopia it's like man everyone's being really calm about the fact that this is a a, a lottery to get a vaccine when they're so that so they're naming off birthdays. They're basically picking out a birthday. So everybody in the country with this birthday, regardless of how old you are, you're gonna get the vaccine on this day. And they go through all 365 days. Well, the first date that they pick is March 10th, and that was a nod to the day that the original that the movie Outbreak came out in the theaters.
0: That's another one we could have picked for the Outbreak episode, but. I felt like it got a little action movie toward the end and I I knelt towards I leaned towards the, the drama of this one and the you know, the dark tone.
1: The other quarantine, pandemic, outbreak, virus movie that we picked this week was 2007's Wreck. This is a Spanish film, dual directors, sorry, I'm gonna butcher this, Jamie Bellagero and Paco Plaza. Bellagero and Plaza would go on to direct the sequel to Wreck together, then they would break off and Bellagero would direct Wreck 3 and Plaza would come back and direct Rec 4. You may know Bellagero also for doing the terrible US remake of Inside. And Paco Plaza actually brought us last year's Veronica, which was a Netflix original horror movie that was at the time being called the scariest movie of the year. So, pretty simple found footage setup here. You have a, an up and coming newscaster and her cameraman and they are doing a show called while you're sleeping where they go to overnight workplaces and sort of follow these people around and this particular night they're going to a fire station and they're going to chronicle a night in the life of firefighters and the premise is firefighters typical nights are real boring but what happens is this particular fire station is called to an apartment building where a woman has been screaming bloody murder in her apartment they go in and all hell breaks loose they get trapped in this building and you're trying to figure out exactly what this virus is but i remember liking this movie a lot i hadn't probably hadn't seen it because it's really hard to find this movie and i'm sorry guys thank you for for humoring me this week and actually going to what You have to Google rec Movie Daily Motion and you can watch it in two separate parts on the internet. But I'm really glad that we did because this movie holds up very, very well. And I enjoyed it. Can't wait to hear what you guys think.
2: I feel like I was kind of the opposite of Trent this week where I watched um, Contagion first and then was absolutely completely stressed out and like on the edge of my seat and then i watched this one after and i was like Pfft, like this is fine this i'm not scared at all like i'm living the the stress fear that was the other movie so i feel like in in normal times this movie would have scared me a lot more but when i was like oh, it's just like this weird zombie thing it's totally fine um i thought it was really good though i that acting was really good like i believed everyone like i believed that like grumpy like rich lady that's like I'm gonna sue everyone here and then in the back of my brain I'm like you're not gonna make it out lady you're not gonna sue anybody like (laughs) um but yeah I thought I'm glad it really wasn't that hard to find it I feel like I thought it was gonna be a lot more difficult with the directions that you gave but it was it was very easy to find it and I think the subtitles definitely were worth it because you there's something about like hearing the like exasperation in people's like you know native tongue as opposed to like being dubbed over and someone just like doing like a voice acting of it so I really liked it.
1: Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, sorry. I should I should clarify. You can find this movie on Prime and some other other online streaming services, but they only give you the English dubbed version. So it's all of the people speaking Spanish that you're watching and they had English speaking actors overdub it. And it was just completely unwatchable to me.
0: That's the version I watched. Oh no. Uh, I just, I wanted to watch it on the big screen and I didn't want to watch it on my, my computer. So, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but on the subject, you know, uh, I had, a I liked the movie, but I watched like the first 10 minutes Uh, on the Daily Motion one, and it was a totally different experience. So I highly recommend, whenever people can, don't go with a dubbed. Go with, you know, the subtitles, because it's way, way better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I liked Wreck. I had a similar experience, though, uh, than Cat did, in where I watched Contagion first and was sucked into the realism of that movie. And then when I watched this, in comparison at some of the scares and some of the monsters seem kind of silly compared to like this real grown-up talk we were having <laughs> a moment before you know about a contagious virus but I, I, I look at this like a, a very outside the box zombie movie and it's done well it's one of the, like the best found footage um, movies I've seen I, I feel like they they pay particular attention to uh, not showing you too much, which is always the best way to go in the found footage things. Uh, lots of glimpses, lots of shadowy figures. Uh, the night vision on the camera was very effective. Um, the The only thing I I didn't like is some of the like the glitchy, um, like it was a glitchy camera tape, like it's old tape. that That stuff was kind of cheap. I felt like, and every once in a while, wow, there would be like weird like feedback that would be happening, uh, as like a dramatic element, but from a technical standpoint, it made no sense, you know, that why there would be like this ringing, um, sound, but other than like some of that technical stuff, uh, I thought it was, it was done pretty well. And it was, it was pretty scary.
3: I think that this might be the greatest found footage movie of all time.
2: Whoa. I
3: I cannot believe how well this has aged from 2007. It made me believe it. I thought it was very effective found footage. I think this is definitely also one of the best contagion horror movies out there. Everything about it, and it's played very, very straight, which... I think is very hard to do, especially in found footage. There's no winks. There's no self-reference. There's no parody at all. This is like straight ahead, heart-pounding stuff. Um, It's brutal. It's so I thought it was terrifying, very scary. And thank you, Kevin, for the routing to Daily Motion where you can watch this in two parts. I'm really glad um, you saved me from some sort of dub viewing because, yes, I, I agree that that... Is the most effective way to watch something like this, and uh, I mean, I just I loved it. I love this movie. I'm so glad you picked it, and uh, I I was like on to seek out these sequels. But Rec Two is only the only place you can watch Rec Two online is Fandango, and you have to buy it. You can't rent it. It's like twelve ninety nine. Rec Three and Rec Four nowhere online. I even looked. Like sometimes when when something isn't on any of the services, you'll find. Free full versions on YouTube that are fine. Nothing on YouTube, nowhere to be found. So um, that was kind of disappointment. I, I would I liked it so much that I would at least see the second one. I'd probably tear through the others too. But uh, great great movie and maybe the best found footage. If if you think of a better found footage horror movie than Wreck, I would be all ears. Cloverfield. No.
1: Wow. No, I disagreed there. But the anyway. interesting thing about when this came out and. A lot of people call it an an early found footage movie, but this is 2007, so get the fuck out of here with that. It's not that early. It it, it came out, yeah, it came out in 2007 at the perfect time for found footage because we were coming off of this late 90s, early 2000s MTV music video horror craze. That was still kind of lingering, and then all of a sudden in the early 2000s, we had three or four years of just torture porn. Torture porn was ruling the horror world. And then all of a sudden, out of left field comes Wreck. And interestingly enough, Wreck was working the film circus at the same time that the Poughkeepsie Tapes was, which is another found footage movie. And it was only one year before the movie that would churn out hundreds of found footage movies, and that's Paranormal Activity. So I think Wreck is directly responsible for everyone credits paranormal activity with this big return to found footage horror. I actually think it was wreck because this movie wasn't even supposed to hit the festival circuit. It was supposed to go direct to video only in Spain. And because there was a lack of films, I don't know if that was the writer strike or what was going on, but it ended up getting into, I think Venice and people started freaking out about it. And What I thought another interesting thing was is that it was being shown at the same festivals at the Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is on Prime now, and I I recommend that as well. And everybody was like hated the Poughkeepsie Tapes. They thought it was way over the top, way too violent. I mean, it ended up getting shelved. And Wreck ended up being the, the festival darling. And that's the only reason it ever even reached the US. But the fucked up thing is... Wreck came out in 2007, and its American remake was already in production when it, was, when it had yet to even get a wide release. So Quarantine, the American-made Wreck remake, came out in 2008. I thought there was a way bigger gap, but when we went back and we were trying to figure out, do we do Wreck, do we do Quarantine? I was shocked to find out that it came out a, only a year after the original Spanish version.
3: Yeah, I watched Quarantine. I had seen it before, but I watched it again after seeing Wreck again, and uh, it's pretty great, but I'm uh, glad—and that would have been my instinct, probably, because I was wondering how how dated Wreck would be. Being, as you said, sort of a low-budget little movie that could to begin with, uh, I probably would have leaned Quarantine, but now having seen them both again— I liked quarantine. I think quarantine is, is really good, uh, a good remake. And there's a couple things about it. You get a little bit more character development. I feel like in in quarantine, but uh, wreck definitely definitely superior. Um, and one of the things about wreck that is essentially this is a zombie movie. I mean, the line between outbreak and zombie is very thin, if not if existent at all. Um, but this is it is sort of. A zombie movie in a way and one thing that they, that's done in this movie that you don't really see very often and that I think was refreshing because it's annoying in a lot of Contagion style zombie movies the people in this movie have no qualms about leaving other people behind there's no <laughs> really no debate about it. there's no like heart wrenching scenes of like no you know, not going to mm-hmm. leave you and none of this stuff. Nobody is taking any chances. You're you're getting hung up. You're in the back. Too bad. See ya. Shut the door. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're gone. Handcuffed to the thing. She's gone. She's toast. Yeah, that got one bit, was rough. You know, yeah, that
2: one. Step was on rough. her
3: neck. It doesn't matter. You got to save yourself. <sighs> you can't yeah. hang around here. You know, watching sure. somebody die for the next ten minutes. They're going to come after you. You got to go. So I like that. But it
1: ta- it takes place in an apartment building. So when the film crew and the firefighters get to this apartment building. And There's already a couple police officers there, and they realize that there's some woman who's sick, and lo and behold, she, you know, has the virus, and she's going to spread it. I, I would say it's an outbreak movie, less than a zombie movie, because they do get into talking about how it goes through the saliva, and yada yada yada. But what you're talking about, Trent? I mean, it. What a perfect setting for a claustrophobic outbreak movie. Where eventually they find out that the entire building has been quarantined. They cannot leave. And essentially the government is saying, we can't wait for you all to fucking die of this virus. There is no chance you're leaving this facility. But what a great setting in an apartment building where you probably like some of your neighbors and you probably fucking hate some of your neighbors. And you're probably like, yeah, that asshole down in like 3B, I can't wait for him to get this fucking thing or I can't wait for him to get his face eaten off. That's mm. probably a fairly realistic depiction of this melting pot of people living living in an apartment building.
0: I didn't realize that tonsillitis was so deadly.
3: <laughs> mm. Oh man, I loved the little girl, Jennifer. It's very effective. Yeah.
2: That was a very odd thing. I mean, we can bleep if it's Bleep this if it's a spoiler, but she—that was like a very weird character because she held the zombiness in until they were like, "Is she sick?" Though, and then all of a sudden she was like, ah! "I'm like, wait, so zombies can stop themselves from attacking people at will until it's ripe for the plot point."
3: It hadn't run. She hadn't reached that point of uh, of sickness right, be- yeah, right before just- she got
1: there. Right before she she got there, the WHO or the the health official that came in said that the length of time before you turned was due to your blood type.
2: Right. But the timing was just a little bit too coincidental. coincidental. You know what I mean? It was just in that exact moment. She's all of a sudden wants to bite. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like.
3: It's a fair question. The it's a time. total fair question. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin, I would like to ask you a fair question. Uh, is 28 Days Later" a contagion movie, an outbreak movie, or, or is it a zombie movie? It's all of the above. Because mm-hmm. yeah. every yes. zombie movie, you get bit and you get infected and become a zombie. Ah. So ah, yes. there's no. I don't. I don't know how. All zombie movies this, revolve around infecting other people. I can win this argument, other people. but I have...
1: I can win this let argument, me finish. but
3: I... Let me fi- well, let me okay, finish and sorry. You, can, you can win it. All <sighs> zombie movies revolve around infecting other people with your saliva and you bite them and they become a zombie. So how would you differentiate this as being particularly outbreak and not zombie?
1: It's the, it's the end of the movie and when they get up to the penthouse and they discover exactly what the virus is
3: because it's man-made
1: no it's not
3: uh because it's not man-made
1: oh, god yes
3: well dawn of the dead is not ever discovered what the virus is it's not
1: no the, it's the, like they they do discover unknown. what the virus is in this
2: but i'd say it's
1: they're in quarantine i
3: thought you were winning you're just i don't even know what you're saying i don't what are you, i mean what are you trying to say? i don't
1: i don't i'll have to spoil the movie win. i, I, I can spoil the movie
0: what's that I thought you were going to win the argument too. I was, I, you seem so self-confident.
1: I am, but I mean, I'm going to have to spoil the movie. So feel free to edit it out. What's happening is that there's a priest in the penthouse who, when they talk about the penthouse and how there's a guy from Madrid that has been renting it out, but they haven't seen him for years. He's a priest that's been sent there from the Catholic church with a girl from Por- with a Portuguese girl who is possessed. And what this guy is tasked with doing is what the Catholic Church has been working on is isolating an enzyme that is the actual root of demonic possession. So what we think of as demonic possession is an enzyme. And this guy has been trying to cure her or isolate it and find a cure. And when they play the tape, he's talking about how it's mutated. And that's why he seals himself into the penthouse, seals her into the attic, which is why you see her at the very end of the movie when the attic trap door comes down. And then what he has done is he has also obviously caught some mutated version of this, and that's the fucking terrifying monster you see in the night vision camera is storming around the house. So that's why this is, I think, a legitimate outbreak movie and not how does that not How does that make
3: as, it How does it make it more outbreak than, than zombie? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I don't I I I agree that uh every zombie movie is a unless it's some sort of sometimes it's like a a gas or something that like brings people back from the dead, which is different. But but still though, it's transmitted by saliva after that it seems like once you die,
1: which is no different than Contagion.
3: Right. Right. But in Contagion Are we all in you agreement? don't Well, Contagion there's no zombies. In Contagion, you don't get the virus and go crazy biting people's necks or anything. You just die. So that's not a zombie movie at all.
0: I think that Wreck, when you said that uh, you were gonna pick Wreck, I think it's one of those movies that, on a small scale, has been very tainted by its sequels, because uh, some of the sequels were not quite as good as this, and um, and I, I haven't seen all of them, but I know that their reputation precedes them, um, much like in a way that you know the Friday the Thirteenth franchise and Nightmare on Elm Streets have been. Diluted to the point where, you know, you hear the the word "wreck" and you think of the stuff that's come out since then, and people would try to capitalize on this.
3: I thought the ceiling in when they when they're looking out the window and they're dropping the uh, the vinyl plastic, whatever it is, the the ceiling um, structure around the building very scary, very effective, mm-hmm. terrifying stuff. And
0: also like that night vision thing, you get to see the long-term effects of someone in quarantine.
1: We just talked about Good Night, Mommy and these two movies were made similarly in that the actors were never given the scripts, only the pages of that day and the movies were shot 100% chronologically. And there are some scenes, like there's a particular scene early on where somebody falls. It's it's actually a pretty jarring scene. It it scared Mm -hmm. the crap out of me none of the actors on set knew that was happening. So everybody's reaction is a hundred percent real.
3: Oh and yeah. The that's, directors oh, would do
1: that a lot. Angela, who is the, the TV host that we're talking about, she actually had that happen to her a ton where they wouldn't tell her a bunch of stuff that was about to happen. And then the end sequence in night vision was actually filmed in night vision in pitch black. So oh, the actors that you're off. seeing, they really, they can't, they couldn't actually see what was going on. So can you imagine no. coming across that fucking monster? Oh my God. That must've
0: been unnerving. She must've been a nervous uh, wreck. Oh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
3: I'd like to try that with cat on the show.
2: sometime. No, no. That's so a that's
3: all right. Yeah, we won't give her a script, and we'll just have we'll have some scary stuff keep happening over there. Yeah, try to no. get her get her natural reaction on camera, like the lights going out or, yeah, no. zombie breaking into the apartment or something.
2: I am that person that I am so excited to go to a haunted house or like a haunted walk or whatever, and then as soon as I am in that, I immediately yelling to get out like i always think i'm going to be so much tougher than i actually am so if you want to hear me screaming for however long you want to taunt me for in the pitch black i i'm i'm ready i'm game be great to listen to
0: haunted houses are going to be even scarier this halloween
2: are they not all all the bacteria
0: on those peeled grapes that are eyeballs (laughs) are gonna you know everyone's (laughs) gonna pass the bacteria from the peeled grape to the next
3: one yeah you don't even need monsters, it's just like, oh, come to the haunted house. No ventilation. <laughs> <laughs> I would say quarantine was worth a spin. Kevin, you, you had some problems with it, but I liked the only thing that I liked about quarantine that you don't have in rec is it's a little more it's gets a little more humanistic with the reporter. You have the the young, plucky, cute reporter gal go to the fire station. It's filled with strong young firemen, and nice. there's a lot of sexual tensions, a lot of flirting and grab ass and stuff that goes on in quarantine. A little more realistic, you get the feeling that, oh, you know, it, were it not for the the zombie invasion, she and one of those one of the firemen that she was riding along with, there were I think enough sparks were flying that they they were sort of headed on a collision course, and then it kind of got derailed by the by the outbreak.
0: How did the police get the? Uh the stripper gig. The The fireman should have got the stripper gig because they're, they're, they have the pole.
1: I think there yeah, are the, fireman
3: strippers, too. I think you can get oh, really? or. yeah
1: I'll or send one over to your house, Dave. I'll send one over. think right,
3: that would be great. Cat, <laughs> look behind you. Cat, somebody set the door.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a night vision stripper. <laughs>
3: night, oh, night hold vision. on,
1: guys. I got to check the door.
2: I just came and up the, with a the great hose idea. also
0: makes a great, a great prop.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So you got the prop. stripper
1: pole. You got the hose. <laughs>
2: you got to have it. So many hose puns, hose I bet. Yep. That's oh. one of the problems I have with
1: quarantine is it's incredibly misogynistic. They throw that angle in there. I mean. And, I, hey, look, I love Jennifer movie. Carpenter, who plays the, the TV reporter in quarantine. I loved her from Dexter. She was Detective Debra Morgan. Oh, Dexter's sister. That's her, yep.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: hated her in this movie so hmm. much.
3: Sounds like you're the misogynistic one, if you ask me.
1: No, no, I just that's said I so loved it. I just <laughs> didn't like the way that she portrayed the acts, the actress. I thought it was like super unbelievable.
2: I remember I seeing, seeing that cute. movie. I, I want to say I saw it in the theaters, but unless it was rated PG thirteen, I don't think I could have been able to. I
1: well, like, I, I agree with Trent. We, it's worth a spin. It, it it is fun. It it's it's way gorier than wreck. that's what i remember
2: i thought it was like a lot scarier than this one but i was so young then you know